Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad, Joel T. Coleman Woo! with you for a super weekend of baseball here in Starkville. Probably a rainy one too, but we'll talk about that in just a minute. I want to thank all our listeners out there across the world. You know, yesterday, uh, as we're recording, it's today, but yesterday was, was the 75th, I believe, anniversary of D-Day. Is yeah, that correct? That's right. That's unbelievable that, that, that you know, has been so long ago. I mean... You know, I don't know about you, both my grandfather's fought in, in World War II, and I mean, that's something that, you know, they never talked about it. And I, I, there's, a, there's a line in a movie, and Jarhead's not a great movie. It's a good movie, but not a great one. But there's a line where he says, did your dad ever talk about it? And he's like, only once. And that's how you know he wasn't lying. You know? <laughs> so that I've always thought that's a good, you know, because I wouldn't want to relive those yeah. days, too. So uh, much braver men than me, and probably Joel. I'm not going to speak for yeah, him, but you can go ahead and change the world on that day. So, if you're one of those people out there right now, changing the world for the better, by God, we salute you here at Thunder and Lightning. Amen. We want to thank our sponsor, our good friends over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. When you come to Starville this week for Super Regional Baseball, stop by and see them. Pick up, get something cold to drink because it may not be super hot, but it's going to be super muggy. You you're going to want to lower your temperature yeah, at some point. Or, you know, we may be up there until 3 a.m. for rain delays and whatever. So and you, you might need the caffeine. Extra caffeine. So. Ask for an extra shot. Oh, if it just, do you have any liquid caffeine, but just some NOS? Just throw it in there. Espresso. Yeah. How about a, a Can mi- you say it today? You espresso. Yesterday. There we go. Espresso with a shot of Red Bull in there. Just, just, just get you pumped up. It's they the call Brian, that the, the Brian Scott Rippey They call it the Rippy. Yeah, that's the, the, the Rippy uh, Espresso. Uh, Super Regional Baseball. It's here at Mississippi State. Three games, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It's weird knowing that we have another day, but there's no baseball. Like, normally this show airs, and then there's baseball that yeah. same day. And, then, you know, we got another day to play around here for whatever reason. You know, uh, you and I have talked about this, I think, in press boxes the last few weeks, that our days have been all. Yeah. Well, we've talked about it on the show, I think. Yeah. This weekend's not going to help starting a series on a Saturday. No, it's because not, it's not yeah. going to help the whole remembering what day it is. But it now. will help if the series ends on Sunday. We'll be okay. Yeah. If it goes right. to Monday, then it's going to really be a problem. But we'll figure that out. You know, this has been a weird week for me. Weird stuff going on. Today was a weird day. Weird places to go. Well, I mean, honestly, if you had told me when I woke up on Thursday, I was going to interview the guitar player for Prince and the Revolution. I don't know that I would have bought into that, but I did it. You know, so it was just just an odd day. Uh, but a fun day, fun day over there with uh, Steve Azar at the uh, Greenville Country Club uh, with his charity, the Saint Cecilia. Here's a funny story: his his charity is named after his daughter. It's called the Saint Cecilia Foundation. Saint Cecilia, and I don't know a lot of y'all know this about me. My mom uh, was a nun for a while, and then she got out of the business. <laughs> she just said she realized that's not what I God. Don't, I don't think I knew that. She just said she just realized that was not what God was calling her to do, so she left. But had she stayed in. And gone all the way, you would not be here. Well, there's there, there's that's the main prop thing you want to take away from this. I wouldn't be sitting here with you. Well, I might be, but I wouldn't, you know, be who I am. <laughs> but but she would have been Sister Mary Cecilia is what she was going to take. So I thought that was sort of interesting. And uh, but anyway, odd week. We'll leave it at that. Um, talk about getting off the beaten path, man. We did on, on, on Thunder and Lightning. Today. Well, you know, we got a lot to talk about, and we got some football here at the end of the show. <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I'm gonna. Spoiler alert. We're going to get this one right out of the way. Are we talking about two games or three here? Uh, I feel like really what you're asking me here is, did Stanford win game two? Because I just feel like Ethan to win in game one. Right. So, I think 
if you made me bet and uh you know i i'm not but so i have nothing on this i would say too mm-hmm. i feel confident in ethan winning game one and when you have all that momentum and then the parks filled up on a sunday night with a trip to omaha on the line and as good as peyton's pitch lately and you will probably have peyton and i would guess probably a rested cole gordon or something like that it's sitting there in the holster I feel I feel okay that State only is going to need two. But that said, I mean that's not taking anything away from Stanford. You're talking about one of the country's best teams over there too. But uh, I, I just I really feel like Ethan's going to you know get the job done in game one. So I, if you made me if you made me bet or guess, I would say we're talking about two games. But that said, I, I'm so baseball being what it is, it's not going to shock either one of us if we're sitting over there on Monday night. I feel like if I say that we're going two games, that's Mississippi State winning it. But at three games, I don't know that for sure. Is that fair? That's fair because what you're doing is I, I don't, like me. I agree with you. I don't think that Small's losing the first game. Yeah. We had this on Twitter. Asked to us. State loses the first one. You think they're losing this series if Ethan gets beat on If on Ethan Saturday? Small gets, gets beat, they're losing the series. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know how you're coming back from that. Well, I mean, Peyton's been good. He's he has winning, been good, but then game. in Game Three, well, let's ask the question. Then it goes to Game Three. Who's the starting pitcher? What if it's JT Ginn? That's not, no, no. I'm asking you. I said, what? Who is the starting pitcher? Uh, who is the starting pitcher? Yeah. I mean, you know, truth serum here. We have talked. Well, I'm not going to speak for you. You know, I don't think you have, but I haven't talked to anyone today about JT Ginn. So, I haven't had a chance. So to. I can't. I've been on the road. Huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can't say that I have any further update than what we had on yesterday's show. That'd be a lie. But that said, I mean, no one has ruled him out for Monday. You know, no one's ruled him in either. So um, I, I guess what I'm saying is we don't 100% know that it can't be JT again. You know, from all we know, they're going to rest him this week, and maybe they just throw him out there on Monday, you know, fully rested, and if he's feeling okay, and just yeah. see what happens. And kind of like we talked about yesterday, have a Brandon Smith have or somebody ready this sit, time sitting ready. in the holster ready to go if needed. Yeah. And – Maybe he's not needed. Maybe JT's out there rested and he's, you know, had, you know, over does, over a week's worth of rest. Does your prediction and, change? If I say it goes three, JT Ginn starts. Who wins game three? I don't have – I mean, I, I don't have great confidence that even JT starts that he's going to be great JT, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, if you if you told me it goes three or it, it goes to that third game, I mean, I don't – I'm I'm with you. I don't really like State's chances there. But it being at Duty Noble, you know that place is going to be rocking on Monday night if there's something on the line. I mean, it, it, and I just – I don't think it's the slam dunk, you know, that Stanford is definitely winning a game three if, if it gets there. So if you made me pick, if it went to a game three, I'd probably pick Stanford just because of the uncertainty surrounding who the heck's going to pitch and are you counting on Brandon Smith to do something – and he may, but I, you know, if, if you made me pick it, if it went three games, I'd pick Stanford. Even with Ginn on the mound, <laughs> probably because that, that eliminates my next question, which would be, what if Smith is pitching? Uh, yeah, I think either way, I would favor Stanford a little bit because I mean, I mean, if you could sit here and tell me that JT Ginn's going to pitch on Monday and he's going to be the JT Ginn fully healthy and and well, here's, whatever, here's th- the thing. Then, then it's a different story. If he's fully just, healthy. He pitched on Saturday, on Sunday. You think so? If he was so? fully healthy, if he well, was the yeah. JT that we had 
you know, from pre, February pre, through pre, April. Yeah. Pre-Tennessee. Yeah. That guy's pitches on slow. Yeah, it's like, yeah, absolutely. So that's how you have to look at this. And, and you know, we're supposed to talk. Your guys, I, I won't be here. I'll, I'm back on the road tomorrow headed to a remote. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi will be live at the First National Bank of Holly Springs. Celebrating 150 years in business, doing business with that community. But you'll get a chance to talk to Lamonis. I assume that's where they'll set the rotation. Yeah, I, I would guess so. That's got to—they got to make a definitive statement on Gannon at that point. No, they has to be like, we we expect him to pitch, or we don't expect him this weekend. It, it has to be right. Well, what I what I feel like, and this is pure speculation, and we we have the Mississippi State. We actually get to go out to to pra- practice. Maybe open to everyone. You guys may want to check on that if that's something you're interested in. But I, I think during the regional practice was open to everyone. So I'm assuming during the super it may be too. Um, but they actually have practice, I think, it starting at 1. And then after practice, somewhere around 2.45, we're talking to Chris Lamonis and company. And I'm going to guess he's going to say, obviously, Ethan Smog starting game 1, Peyton Plumley starting game 2. And I'm going to guess that when the question's asked, who's starting game 3, if you go to it, you're going to get the return of TBA to the rotation. And it's going to be one of those, you know... They allowed to do that in the, in the postseason? I mean, I, why, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I mean you know, they're everybody the same advantage. I don't know. In the interest of fairness, Joel, <laughs> you know, they could just be like, "Yeah, you gotta tell us." I don't know. It's not well, like good changes at the last minute, though. I guess exactly. So, uh, I mean, I, I, what I don't expect, I don't expect him to stand up there and say JT again starting Game Three if it goes there. But what I, wouldn't shock me is for him to not rule that out. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and two. If this is a situation where they know he can't pitch this weekend, mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to know that if if he if they don't even put him on the roster. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. With postseason rosters, you know, you only ought to put so many people. They won't put a guy on there who can't pitch. Yeah. So I mean, they're not going to re- waste a roster spot on a yeah, guy. Because you couldn't. You might need. I mean, who wasn't on there last weekend that could be? Was somebody Tyler Spring? Tyler Spring wasn't on there. Or Kale Bro? God forbid. No, yeah. no, no offense to Kale Bro, obviously, but he hadn't. You know, only pitched like one inning all year. Or, or, you know, somebody like was Bryce Brock on there last last time? I don't think he was. I that's think those guy three who, guys were off. Yeah, somebody like that. So, so if you see that, that, that that's, that's a good call, Joel. That if, when you look at the postseason roster, which I guess they'll, they'll release tomorrow, if, if Gens, Gens on it, they must believe he can pitch. That's a good way of looking at it. Or at least a chance for that he can yeah, pitch. Yeah, they can believe he can pitch. That said, too, and, and this is, this is going to sound like a knock on a Tyler Spring or somebody, Maybe you leave him on there just for decoy purposes, kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Because, quite frankly, if you need a, I mean, probably. And again, I'm not trying to to make fun of any of these kids or whatever. It's just the the reality of the the depth of the roster. If you're using Tyler Spring or someone, you're probably in bad bad shape. You know, it, it, would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. So or you're, or you're in really good shape. Yeah, one of the, the fourteen other. to nothing. So uh, maybe maybe it's worth just leaving JT on the active roster just to leave that thought in the back of Stanford's mind that he could pitch on Monday, even if you know that he can't. I don't know. I'm just I'm Play, spitballing here. Joel T is playing mind games, psychology being used over here. You know that it, that doesn't even scrape the surface of like what when you have loved to back in the and I'm not saying that Chris Lamont isn't a really smart guy and a great baseball coach but when you love just to be like a fly on the wall of John Cohen's brain and the stuff that used to go through his mind going into like regionals and super regionals too much heck even now too much information as as an AD I guarantee you he's still thinking these things as he watches the games I guarantee John Cohen still coaches the games in his mind oh absolutely he watches every pitch he's like this is what I would have done you know 
Now, now I don't think he goes to Lamonis afterwards and says anything. No, I don't either. But I do think but that, in his that's mind. Just the, that's just the baseball coach. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, the, and there's nothing wrong with that, yeah. Um, we saw Mangum start hitting and Westberg start hitting at the end of, of, of that uh, regional. Is that back for good now? I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but I you, think so. I don't think either one of those guys. I don't think either one of those guys are stepping into the box on Saturday night thinking about slump. You know, I I, I asked Jake after the regional about was the weight of the world lifted off your shoulders after that uh, three for four or whatever it was in the in the championship game, and I don't know. Just this is the responses you get and just the the giddiness you see from those guys to me is it was very apparent that any previous struggles. That's exactly what they were. They were previous. You know, that's not to say that, that Jake or Jordan couldn't go out there this weekend and, and, and scuffle a little bit, but I, I really do feel like last weekend was a, 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 a cure-all, so to speak, to, to wash the struggles of the last month or so away. So, you know, I don't think, I don't think there's any baggage being taken into the series, at least mentally. Um, like I said, they, they could put up an 0 for 8, but I don't think it would be because of any baggage that they're bringing in. And then when you have guys like Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan who were so hot last weekend, really locked in, can they keep that up another weekend? I mean, I keep expecting Tanner Allen to like cool down or something, but he has not. He has not cooled down since he was. He started hitting before the Ole Miss series. I mean, right? he's on the. I think Jake's three for four put him back over the edge, but I mean, Tanner Allen's on the cusp of being your leading hitter on Tanner the team. Tanner Allen was the leading hitter on the team when the game ended on on uh, Sunday Sa- night. Yeah, uh, on Saturday night, right? And then Jake's three for four. Or is he still the leading hitter? I have to check that. I want to say that Jake's back in front by a little. But you may be looking it up now. We'll know in a second. I am looking it up now. Either way, uh, Tanner Allen's been blistering hot. and I've been waiting on him to, like, slow down, and he's not. And so why should he this weekend? Here on his home park. And then Rowdy Jordan got above 300 last weekend for the first time all season. Yeah. it's What those two guys have done since their struggles has been absolutely incredible. Credit to Jay Gotra. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for continuing to work with those guys and their swings and stuff. But, yeah, what you got? Mangum is the leading hitter, 357 to 350. There we go. So, Seven-point difference. Uh, and then, and and I think this got brought up at the press conference with Foscue. Talk about it. He hasn't had the slump. Now, don't jinx him. Knock on some wood there. I don't know if it's wood or not, but I knocked on it. Uh, he's I mean, he's just been every game has showed up to play. Yeah. His story is one that's really cool to me this year too. Because have we talked about? I think maybe we did back earlier in the year. Um, I can't even remember now which game it was. We really talked with Chris in depth, I guess, about about Justin and and the year that he was having and all the power that he was showing. And um, <laughs> and when Chris came in back during the fall during fall ball, he watched Justin Foscue hit and said, "Dude, you don't scare me at all." Yeah, <laughs> you step in the batter's box and you do not scare me, and I think it kind of, you know, he's the kind of guy that that would motivate, kind of aggravated him a little bit. Yeah, and, he, he and strikes he, me as the guy not not that I like coaches be, being negative, but sometimes a little negativity. Justin Foscu absolutely strikes me as the kind of guy that like prove you, you wrong if you tick him off. Yeah, you know that. that do you know what? It, do you know? I don't know if it's his nickname or what they some of the players call him. Or I've heard this reference to him though. They they call him Hulk because he he has that. He'll 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 turn. <laughs> he, I, I, there there is man. There's something about that uh, about Hulk Justin. smash. Yeah, like you wouldn't want to get on his bad side. Exactly. You don't want to make him angry. Well, I mean, when he does interviews uh, with us, he is just like he's locked he, in. He's he just, is, dude. He is. Like, Justin had a big game tonight. What, what you know? What, what were you feeling? I'm feeling like I should hit. Yeah. And this is this is what I'm supposed to do. I, well, you remember I asked yeah. him about uh, <laughs> did it surprise? Does it surprise you? Not surprise me. 
didn't surprise me at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to be hitting like this. I'm like, I mean, it's great. Hey, man. But you, talk, you talk about that. I'm going to be interested to see this weekend. Talk about motivation. Mm-hmm. I know Elijah you're going to Yeah. I, I, not, not happy. Not drafted. Not happy about not getting no, drafted. And, and I, gosh, man, I, I love Mac. I, I hate it for Mac that, that he didn't get drafted. But, I mean, I, talk about he, he. He's just such a – Despite the fact he's a legend and all that crap for mm-hmm. what he's done for Mississippi State last year and, and crap the good season he had, crap counters won, that's right. Uh, he's just a good dude, and so mm-hmm. I just root for that kid to, to do well, and so I hate that he didn't. But I'm so interested to see if that kind of motivates him to come out and have a, all right, I'll show you kind of weekend. Yeah. You know, and uh, how great of a story that would be for a kid that, um, I mean, let's be honest. He deserved to get drafted. You got Felipe Franks and guys like that. Well, I mean, yeah, there's there's forty, there's twelve hundred some odd selections, right? I mean, how do you not take a guy who's been a pretty consistent hitter with some power plus glove? He can run. How, how do you not take, spend a thirty, you know, fifth round pick yeah. on that guy? Yeah, and, and you know, I'm not declaring that. Elijah McNamee is a can't-miss major leaguer kind right. of deal. but he's a better know. chance than Felipe you, Franks. Absolutely. Just, every year there's a guy – I don't know if you know – you keep up with the MLB. Every year some team decides it's going to be – I think it's almost like a running bet between who's, who's drafting them this year. Well, it, Shea Patterson was picked last year. Yeah, there, there comes this deal where teams just – look, I, this, this sound – I mean, this was a cool thing that happened, but then again it took a roster spot of, of someone that might – like an Elijah McNamee or something like. I think Toronto, the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. um, in honor of Roy Halladay, who obviously passed away, you know, over you know a year or so ago. A couple years ago, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they took his son at number thirty-two. Yeah. In the draft because Roy Halladay wore thirty-two yeah. and of course played for the Blue Jays too. Right. So it was kind of an honorary deal. Right. Which I mean, that's cool. It's a cool story. And Lord knows Roy Halladay is a legend. And and this is not a knock on on the thought behind that. But when you do. When you use picks that you know, and I don't think he's going to, it's not a kid that's going to play for him. He's not going to sign or whatever. It was just an honorary deal. We're going to do this. We know you're not coming here. It's just an honorary thing. When you do that and you pick Felipe Franks and you do this other stuff, there are guys like Elijah McNamee that doesn't get picked. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. And but it's crazy that, I mean, I don't know who the last pick is. I don't know who the Mr. Relevant is of the MLB draft. But if they had a better baseball career to this point than Elijah McNamee, I'd be really surprised. No, oh, I would too. I'd be really surprised. So. I mean, you got. Matt. But he's going to have that. But now, for like going back to your point, he's got to be re- talking about. I mean, I don't know if this is a word or not. You have to judge, but he's got to be pissed off. Yeah. And he might. I mean, sometimes playing pissed off is bad. Sometimes it's good. I think it's going to be good for Elijah McNamee. He strikes me as a guy a little bit like Voskey too. That, yeah. that that's going to lock him in. Yeah. And and, and we'll see. Um, I, I, gosh, I, I hope he has a big weekend. And and you know, you, you can have a career. You know, you can. It's not as it doesn't seem as, as you know publicized or whatever is in NFL when you have an unsigned free agent deal kind of deal. I mean, in baseball, you can kind of do that same thing. I have a buddy that that didn't get drafted, but he ended up playing some minor league ball. Um, didn't make it to the big leagues or anything, but uh, that kind of stuff can happen. So I, I would guess that Mac will get a, a professional shot if he so chooses, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he will come out motivated, and I'm interested to see how how he handles that. That's that's a cool storyline to watch this weekend, and then you know, hopefully he, he uh, don't know what his professional future will be at the moment, but 
hopefully, you know, his collegiate future stretches past the weekend because of his production for the, from this weekend. Who am I leaving out? Wow. Skelton? Gilbert? Who's somebody that off the, the beaten path that could, could play a big role this weekend? Maybe off, the, or even, off the beaten path? Even a pitcher. Think? I mean, if you go into a, a game three situation with no JT Ginn and Brandon Smith starts that game and maybe you've, you know, maybe Cole Gordon threw four or five innings the night before. You know, maybe Peyton Plumlee came out after five and Cole Gordon threw the last four or something like that. And maybe Lee Belt threw, I don't know, a few innings on, on Saturday. And, you know, what I'm saying is maybe your bullpen's beat down a little bit. And then you run Brandon Smith out there on a, on a game three situation, and maybe he doesn't last long. I could, I, with what he looked like his last couple of outings, it's not going to shock me if there comes a point, whether this weekend or a state gets there in Omaha, where Eric Sarantola steps in there and has a good inning or something. Like that, that's not going to sh- totally surprise me because of, of what we've seen out of him lately. Yeah. Uh, that said, gosh, it, it scares you to death because. He already kind of had some control issues earlier in the year when right. you put him out there in front of 12,000 people with a trip to Omaha on the line or something like that. Yeah. Can he reel it in? Yeah. You know, so uh, we'll see. But, and but if he, he does, that becomes like the audition, right? That's like, okay, next year, him and Ginn, that's going to be a duo. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not calling that. I'm just saying that, that that kind of situation wouldn't totally shock me if the cards fell just right. Um Man, who else could step in and, and kind of out of nowhere have a, have a big weekend? I mean, like, I, I don't know. That DH slot's going to be one to kind of watch this weekend because of, you know, Mac will be back in the field. So right. Chris Lamonis was talking the other day about how that kind of frees up his flexibility for that DH slot now. Yeah, because could he kinda, Halter get back into the lineup yeah, this Hulk, weekend? Could Halter uh, do it? Luke Hancock. Luke yeah. Hancock. You know, Josh Hatcher obviously could, could play a role there, too. Um fill in the blank with any of those guys and it wouldn't it wouldn't shock you if you know to see any of them get a big knock so you know i I think it just speaks to how good this team is that we can reel off names like that that may not even play this weekend yeah and they may end up being key that's what the postseason's about though right it is it is the the heroes that you know you don't think of Um, yeah you know i don't know that going into last year Maybe you did a little bit, but if you had to pick someone on that roster that was going to hit two walk-off homers in the postseason, would you have picked Mac? I don't know. Maybe you would have. Yeah. But now he will be etched in Mississippi State lore forever. And so, yeah, that's what these these moments are. Maybe it is, maybe it's a Foscue or somebody like that, that that has a huge moment this weekend and, and, and gets written in the annals of Mississippi State history forever. I, I don't know. That's why these moments and these games are so cool. And I, I don't know, man. Don't know if you can tell. I'm kind of pumped to get out there on Saturday. Me too. All and right. And we may be sitting there and watching a tarp on the field. We've talked about everybody. Now you got to pick the one guy who makes the difference this weekend. The one guy that makes the difference. Who's your playmaker? Uh, Ethan has to win his start. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, I think. Because I just told you, I think if it goes three, I'm picking Stanford if it went three. And so, to me, that makes Ethan a must win. And I keep thinking back to that 16 regional and not winning the first game, and everybody was so tight. And even in the second game, they got up big, you remember, and he, it, just never, it just never felt like it was in hand. 
So yeah. winning that first game is everything to me. I agree with you. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going with the the 15th first round selection in Mississippi State history. I'm going to go with Ethan Small because State to me they have this isn't this isn't one of those situations where they really need to win that first. To me, they have to win the first one. Okay. And so I, who else could I go with other than Ethan Small? I think I'll 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 stick with the ace. I'm going to go with the leader. Oh, Jake Mangum, the mayor. I I don't see how he hasn't. He's not going to drag this team to victory. I remember. I remember, and I, I was wrong. I was wrong about it. But I remember talking about Dak before his last egg, last egg ball, and saying Dak Prescott will not lose to Ole Miss, and it's, and I was convinced of it because there are some players that it doesn't matter anything about them. They can convince you, I will drag this team kicking and screaming to victory. And Dak had me convinced of that. Not that Dak, you know, I I would trust Dak to win any game. But I was convinced, and I was wrong. But it, my thinking wasn't wrong. Yeah, I believed in Dak. I believe in Jake Mangum. Yeah, and it is a little different baseball. It is different, but <laughs> but I agree he's the you. leadoff hitter. He sets the table. He he runs center field. He's going to have to make plays to win in this region, in the super regional. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be an emotional moment. Top, it'll be the top of the ninth because State will be the visiting team in game two. But say State's up. Five to one, and it's the eight nine one hitters are coming up. And Hatcher grounds to short, and Gilbert flies out to left. And then you hear the outfield, and everybody in the stadium is going to know well, that's the last time you're not going to hear it. Oh, it's right, <laughs> but they'll find a way to sneak it in. They'll find a way to sneak it in, and that'll be the last time you'll because I. If I'm MSU, I'm never playing that song again for anybody else. Well, I guarantee you what would happen in that instance if he was due up in the top of the mm-hmm. ninth, even if he wasn't the first guy up, they'd yeah. play it in that. They play it at that, some point. Between inning break just or to something. Hear it, yeah. Or they might play it between the top. You know, they'll find a way. You're right. They would find a way. I think. And and then that's you're going to realize that's the last time we're going to see him at Duty Noble ever. And you know, boring some and boring some sort of ridiculous comeback in the bottom of the ninth, which I wouldn't trust to happen. So yeah, this is I mean, this is Mangum's last game at games at Duty Noble Field. Yeah, he, he's. I don't believe he will walk off a loser. I don't. But how many games? I say two. I say State takes this, makes it easy. I think I think State's going to make it easy on us. Ethan Small gets the win, and then I think State takes it to him on Saturday or on Sunday. So we're already doing it. <laughs> takes it to him on Sunday and gets out of here and heads back to Omaha for for the second straight year. I think that's what I said. In- the first five minutes of the show, whenever you were come asking me it, all yeah. this, yeah, we, we've come full circle. I think Ethan gets the job done in, in game one. I think Peyton Plumley continues one of the most amazing comeback stories in Mississippi State history by, you know, last the last time he pitched for Mississippi State before this year was in a Super Regional, right? Didn't he pitch in the, the Super down at LSU? Who? Peyton Plumley. Yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. And then, you know, that was where the suspension basically started. Missed a whole year, and now here he is, right back on the mound in a super. And I think Ethan's going to win game one, and Peyton's going to have the chance in game two to punch the ticket to Omaha, so he will get the trip to Omaha that he missed a year ago. And I just think that's a cool story. I like that. There's something about completion, you know, things coming full circle. That that would be it. Yeah. All right. All of that's great. But there's one last piece of business we have to talk about. Creeping, 
Cretin, 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 cretin. Joe Moorhead, he's not much for taking a back seat during baseball season. He wants the headlines. Uh, two commitments on, I guess that's Wednesday now. They record. They they both happened after we had recorded on Wednesday. We recorded, I guess, too early for Joe Moore. We got to get on a schedule with him. I'm like, look, man, we this is when we record. So you before or much later, one of the two. Save it for the next day. Do something. Um, Caleb Ducking is your first commitment. That is a name that just, I mean, and I mean, just popped up on the radar for Mississippi State after the top dog camp of last weekend. And you talk about filling a need. State needs receivers. Oh, no doubt. More, more than anything. Caleb Ducking, six foot five, 195 pounds out of Holmes Community College and ran a 4'5 plus 40. I mean, if I could just draw up a player that State could use, could use this year, never mind next year. Now, this is his only offer is Mississippi State. The the impression that I got from reading uh, some 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 of the different uh, reports on him was that I think there was a not not a fear but a con- maybe concern that he was that size and that speed there was going to be a quick rush for his services so go ahead he want he evidently he was impressed he wanted to be part of Mississippi State get him the offer and let's just go and then you know. Try to keep him in the boat the rest of the way. Because if those numbers are accurate, if he's that tall, so going back to what I was talking about the other day with that kid who was in Tupelo, 6'5 and not 195 pounds, I can run a 4'5. Buddy, he should have a lot more offers than that. Yeah. So. And if he doesn't, something doesn't add up. Something that. Add, exactly. Something, <laughs> something doesn't add up. Now, he had, that's the thing. He, like, he doesn't have any stats. He didn't play much at Holmes. And I don't know why, but. Here's the thing, and, and you know this is true. MSU signed a lot bigger projects than that. They signed some guys. You just look at them. He, what's he going to do? He can't play. Yeah. At least with his size and speed, you got to think. Well, there's a chance he could play. So that's a good move for Mississippi State. Good, good pickup there. And then there are three things in this world that are constant. There's death, taxes, and as I forget who put it. I don't know if it's on twenty four seven or on six pack, but they put it this way. There's MSU getting a linebacker that Ole Miss thought was theirs. <laughs> You can add Georgia to that list too, but Jacuvi, buddy. If I mispronounce your name, I'm really sorry. But it appears to be Jacuvian Brown. I, 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 I'm not. Uh, no, no disrespect. I don't know how to pronounce it. J a k i v u a n. Give me your best shot. I'm going with yours. Okay. Six three two twenty five out of Horn Lake, Mississippi. Of course, Horn Lake is the defending six A champions. I'm about to sneeze. Try to hold it. <coughs> Woo! Nope, couldn't do it. Uh, the defending 6A state champions, that's where N'Kobe Dean and, uh, and uh, Radarius Jones were last year. And his crystal ball, buddy, was 100% to the red and blue. Uh, and I knew State felt good about him, and they, I knew that you know the coaches really liked him. Uh, it, I think this commitment sort of caught him off guard, but that's a big piece. One thing I've come to, to you know, from, I've noticed from, a, from, from a, a Mississippi standpoint is – Talking, to, you know, when you talk to Paul Jones and Steve Robertson, these guys are all going to get reevaluated. You look at the state of Mississippi right now, and you know what you've got in terms of your top 10, 15 players. You've only got three, four, four star players. I'm sorry, five, five, four star players, and then you've got a bunch of high three stars. Well, when the camps continue and then the season, 
a lot of these guys are going to – it's just inevitable. A lot of these guys are going to get bumped up. And I think by the end of the season, you could see, you know, eight or nine four-stars in this class. Now, that's still not going to be what you had last year when you had, I think, 12 or 13, maybe even 14 four-stars. But some of these guys are going to – I don't think there's a five-star in this state this year. You know, McKinley Jackson, the guy, he's already lost a star. He was a five-star guy. Uh, he is not anymore. Uh, Josiah Hayes, who just committed to Ole Miss, he's sort of a low four-star. The rest of the – McKinley Jackson is a mid-four-star. And then Hayes, Jeremiah Pegues out of Oxford, uh, Lediatric Griffin out of Philadelphia, who was committed to Mississippi State, and then Dylan Johnson out of Greenville St. Joe. I passed by Greenville St. Joe. I hadn't driven past that school since I last, since October of 1992 when I was getting off the bus to play there. And I was like, oh, my God, it's Greenville St. Joe. Uh, which I, I think I mentioned this before. Greenville St. Joe, maybe 200 kids total in the school, maybe. Uh, plays you know the lowest level of academy football. They've got two D1 prospects. If they don't win the state championship, they should fire every coach they have. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's the other four-star uh, in, in this state this year. And he's a state – I think state feels pretty good about Griffin. I think they can get him back in, I think. And then Johnson, they feel pretty good about him. Jeremiah Pegues is from Oxford. So, I, I mean, I just don't think that's going to happen. He's an interesting kid. Too. He's listed as an athlete. He's 6'2 and 280. What kind of athlete? <laughs> what is he doing? Um, Hayes is already committed to Ole Miss. McKinley Jackson. McKinley Jackson is already starting to look like that guy that, oh, well, he, he's got interest in Mississippi State, but he never visits. Yeah. So, I, I would not count on McKinley Jackson being a Bulldog at this point. Uh, and then, you know, the next, you know, the next 10 guys, you know, Javoria Selman already committed to state. Eli Acker is committed to Ole Miss, but he's been to Starkville a bunch of times. E.J. Mason is a guy that was committed to Mississippi State. They, again, another guy they feel like they can get back. Austin Keyes is committed to Ole Miss, and then Alex Adams was committed to Mississippi State. So, you know, in-state, I don't I don't know what the hall's going to look like. It's, it, it's sort of weird. Like, this time last year, Pickering was going to state. I, know, I always thought Dean was going to Alabama or Georgia. Um, let me go back and let me see if I can find the uh, – just to give myself an idea. I think Byron Young was already committed to Alabama at this point. Jaron Handy was already committed to Auburn at this point. Now, Charles uh, – Jerion Ely was already committed to Ole Miss at this point. Uh, Charles Moore was committed to state, and he didn't have any reason to think otherwise, but it, it didn't work out that way. Brandon Turnage was already committed to Alabama at this point. DeMonte Russell was already committed to state. Dennis Jackson was already committed, or was at least everybody was leaning him towards Ole Miss. Even with his, you know, quick commitment to Mississippi State, nobody really thought. You know, the, the, the two guys that you, you weren't sure about in the top ten, Charles Cross, who was not committed to anybody at this point. He, he had not really started to blow up. I think he was maybe a month or two away from committing to Florida State. And then uh, Derek Hall. But even him, everybody thought it's between State and Auburn and maybe Ole Miss at the end. And that's pretty much where everybody ended up. So this year, you don't have that. I mean, it, I, I couldn't tell you right now. And, maybe, and it's not from lack of not reading the boards. I just don't. I don't have any idea where Jeremiah Pegues is going to go. Yeah. I don't have any idea where Dylan Johnson's going to go. I think I think State's in it with him, but I don't know for sure. So a lot more uncertainty this year in recruiting, which is interesting because normally you know, State has everything sort of wrapped up in a nice bow, and then December to February they just play the the holding on game. This year they might actually have to win some battles late. So that would be different if yeah. it happens. Well, kind of like you just said though, it seems like between December and February they're always trying to win battles anyway, even if it's guys that's already committed. So they're bringing so, guys back in. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, Caleb Ducking and Jakub, I, I may, I'm going to have to hit up Steve or Paul. I got to find out how to pronounce this poor kid's name. I don't want to butcher it anymore. But those are your newest commitments. State now uh, at a total of, I had it right here a second ago. I think it's it's 16. 
16 commitments. Uh, five, a bunch of JUCO guys, too. They've got, what, three JUCO defensive linemen and three JUCO wide receivers. And from what I can tell, they would take two more JUCO receivers. They would take Malik Heath, obviously, who would recommit after being the number one prospect in 2018. And then they would take, uh, I believe his name is Kondarius Taylor, who is, uh, I'm not sure what, co- what college he's at, but he was, I think he's at Gulf Coast. He was committed to Oklahoma and then decommitted. They would take him too. State is really, really working hard to get some receivers in. Now, does that concern you? You're talking about maybe eight junior college guys, and that that's right now. That you know, the, the, I know that there's a there's a linebacker, Tyus Wheat. They're interested in. They could end up with nine or ten JUCO guys. Is that concerning? Is that a statement on Mullen? What is that? I don't know, from a wide receiver standpoint, I don't think it's concerning. You got to so get those because you got to get them. Yeah. I, I mean, it, <laughs> different sport, but sometimes this kind of stuff works, man. Like. That 2016 Mississippi State baseball team that yeah. relied on all the yeah. all the JUCO guys and and every one of them clicked and you had one great year. Well, I say one great year. I mean, it was the beginning of this run, really. And then you just kind of had to fill in pieces later. But I mean, sometimes sometimes that's what you do to bridge a gap, man. So is that I, a statement on Mullen? The receivers are. I think so. A little bit. The receivers yeah. are definitely. He, I mean, he left that cupboard really bare. Yeah. I mean, I. It's definitely at least partly that. Yeah. I mean, you think about like his last couple classes. He signed Reggie Todd, gone. Jamal Couch, gone. Osiris Mitchell, still here. Looks like he's going to play. You know, Gidry was committed to him. Uh, Devontae Jason, I don't think Devontae Jason committed to Mullen. I think there was a lot of news that he was leaning towards Mississippi State, but he committed when Joe Moorhead was the head coach. Yeah. So, I mean. Well, I mean, I think at this point we're still close enough to the Mullen era that, like. You know, Mixon's gone. A lot of things you can kind of place at least some. I mean, the fact that the, you know, interior of the defensive line. There's kind of that gap there yeah. between who, the guys that left. And then there's like there's no replacing Simmons, but there wasn't like a guy like he's yeah. the next guy. Yeah, I mean, you would like to disperse, you know, your seniors and juniors and your sophomore and all that stuff, kind of, kind of equally, so you don't run into the situation where, kind of like State is on the interior of the line right now, where there's just kind of nobody and somebody's just going to have to step up. Right. But, I'm looking so, at 2017. Yeah. Did they miss on a D tackle there? Not really. I mean, there wasn't a top guy in the state. The top defensive lineman was Aaron Odom, who they got. Um, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember the the recruiting as well to see if they just missed a guy. You know, twenty eighteen. I'm trying to think. There, who was the top defensive lineman in the state in eighteen? Really, what you're probably running into is the people that like Joe yeah. will blame Mullen, yeah. and the people yeah, that like Mullen right. will blame Joe. So. Yeah, I mean, Fabian Love. It was probably the defense. He and Jaden Crumney. State got them both. They're probably going to play this year. So I think what it is, I don't know if there's a gap so much, is that you just got young guys. Now, Crumity and Lovett could come out there and just be dominant and be good for you, but we don't know that yet. Whereas with Simmons, you knew what you had. So something to watch. This, this is going to be one of the more interesting recruiting years. Moorhead should be completely entrenched, as should Matt Luke. You should have all the connections made. And, you know, we'll see who, gets, who, who comes out on top in the state. I think it's going to be an intriguing, not just recruiting year, year. Well, yeah. I mean, there's that because, too, obviously. I mean, with the Tommy Stevens factor and you got some of these Juco wide receivers coming in, I mean, mm-hmm. what do you really have on offense? Has Joe, you know, I've been saying it the, now. The Kylan factor, it's, is, it's is he. T- they should be better. It is if they're intriguing. not better, they're not better. I'm going to, I'm going to have, I will know about Joe Moorhead after the Egg Bowl. I will know. Either they're going to be better or they're not. If they're not, he's in trouble. If they're better, we can start, we can continue to move forward. It's, it literally is that simple. And by better, I don't mean the same as last year. 
Same as last year is not acceptable. Better than last year. Much better than last year. And you're not even talking about from a wins losses perspective. So right, much right. as just like yeah, if they go seven and five because the defense isn't as good, yeah, I get it, I get it. But they should be averaging 28 points a game. You know, when they lose, they should still be able to put 20 points on the board. You know, you can't have four losses where you score. And I, I can, I will never forget these numbers as long as I live. Seven, six, three, and zero. That's not acceptable. <laughs> that's what you got to fix. So we'll see. All right. That's football. That's for another day. Baseball is tomorrow. If you're making your way to Duty Noble, obviously with the weather, we uh, we didn't really talk about that, but chances are things are going to be bad. Please be careful on your way up here. We don't want you, uh, you know, don't text and drive. Don't tweet and drive. Don't Snapchat and drive. Just drive your car and get up here safe, and we'll see you at the ballpark for the Super Regional on Saturday. For Joel T. Coleman, Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.